0: You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon.
1: Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and stud ads. This is Coach Brett with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast. Where we go long, we do endurance, and in the meantime, we learn a little bit of zen along the way to help improve our lives. All right, we are at Huntsville State Park. Not for the Rocky Raccoon 100 Ultramiler or the 50 Ultramiler, but actually because I am an assistant scoutmaster on a Boy Scout campout. My son Kai is 12 years old. He's in a Boy Scout troop, and... Yeah, they're, they're camping at Huntsville State Park this weekend. They're actually on a hike right now. I've got plantar fasciitis in my feet from being too crazy with all the stuff I do. So I'm hanging back at the campsite, keeping an eye on things, which is a good good idea. Because woke up this morning, went down to the edge of the lake, which is just uh, 100 feet away or something. And looked out over the lake, it was stretching. And I'm like, what the hell is that? It's a freaking alligator. <laughs> it's this huge, like 10-foot alligator just lurking. He's just lurking. He's ready to assassinate. He's ready. Anyway, uh, let's see. This episode, we have a quick interview with Frank Springett, who is the inventor of the TriMorph... No, MorphTech. That's what it is. MorphTech triathlon bars. So they're these handlebars that fold from out to in. And so at any given time, they're not the other. It's pretty trippy. They're... uh, the arrow bar part, like sticking out the base bar, and then they have hinges in them, and you with levers you press down, and then when you do that while you're riding, you can push them forward, and now all of a sudden there's they they are arrow bars, but without the base bars sticking out to the side, and when you want to stop, uh, and or you want to sit up, you just pull back, and they pop back into being uh, base bars again, and so they're lighter than the full. Uh, having both and they are um, safer, I think, because you have your hands on the brakes at all times because the brake levers are out towards the front where you're using them and then or they're by your hands where you're using them. They're more aerodynamic. So uh, because there's less stuff hanging out in the wind at any given time. And man, honestly, I got to say these things could really take off. So we have a, a short interview with him. In person, because he came to my house, and we rode around in the dark on wet pavement, <laughs> which is like the ultimate test and on uh, handlebar, bike handlebar, um, you know, safety, usability. I mean, do they really work? Uh, it's a little bit hilly where I live, so we're going downhill into an intersection. That's pretty cool. So we have that. And then um, also, I'm moving some papers around here. Also, I'm going to cover how to face your fears, This is uh, really interesting stuff, a really good technique to get you over some things that uh, you may be afraid of or that are holding you back, and it's a lot of fun. All right, there's all that, and let's go ahead and get going with that, but after we do just a little bit of the triathlon news. Here we go. All right, there's been lots of stuff going on, but these are just the highlights that I've noticed. Uh, Jordan Rapp, longtime professional triathlete, was riding on a diamond which is one of the, uh, beam bikes. He's moved from being a racer for Diamond to being not just a racer, but it seems kind of like a field engineer, uh, for Diamondback. Diamondback has this, uh, crazy cool looking new, uh, triathlon bike, which is probably about half the cost of the crazy new looking, uh, Cervelo triathlon bike, but it's one that's got a drop tube that, uh, follow the trails the front wheel it looks like a ducati race bike i mean it's really cool and uh yeah so it's funny from diamond to diamond back and uh diamond is d-i-m-o-n-d and yeah it'd be interesting to see how that goes the um the demo of the diamond the first ride at kona the guy didn't do all that hot on it so we'll see if jordan actually does better and yeah, I'll, be, I'll be interested to see how he how he likes that bike and then also as Jordan gets older as a pro and he starts probably someday moving from being a full-time pro to being um, a retired pro and doing other stuff uh, that's a good career move to get with a bigger company that has a salary to pay engineers to uh, continue to build and design their bikes from uh, you know moving forward so that's a smart career move diamond is a great bike company but it's real small and they've got an engineer (laughs) or two so they probably didn't need another one but diamondback is huge huge company all right i've been invited to st anthony's try in st petersburg to go race they invited kai i think i just have to get there myself and it's all the way in florida so i don't know but that's like the big olympic distance race that is um is the uh, one that like all the big name pros show up to like the first one of the year. So I'm actually really excited about it and honored to be invited. We're gonna have to see if I can actually get in. Let's see, I've been invited to the St. Anthony's Triathlon. So Olympic distance distance triathlon in St. Petersburg, Florida, which I'm really excited about. Uh, The title sponsor, a realtor company. Uh, has invited uh, Kai and I and Emily even to go and um, the only problem is we got to get there and it's in just a few months and I've got plantar fasciitis so I'm not sure if I should be racing. I could do the swim and maybe the bike but uh, the run I'm not sure you know it depends on how my feet are doing Um, so we'll see but anyway it's an honor to be asked to go St. Anthony's try Definitely check them out and Let's see. Suunto has announced a, um, a version of the Spartan Ultra. It's called the Spartan Sport Wrist HR. And it's got the wrist-based um, heart rate. And see, the downside of most of these wrist-based heart rate, where it's got the little green laser on the back that senses your heart rate through, your, um, through the back of the watch to your wrist, is they're not all that accurate. They can be off. And Suunto partnered with I think they're the only one. Maybe there's one other company that does it, partnered with Valencell. And Valencell is rated the number one um, wrist uh, heart rate detector. So that's the unit that's in it to do the heart rate detection. So that is a big thumbs up towards uh, Sunto devices. If you're going to do wrist, you want to use a Valencell, and Sunto has it in it. So big ups to them. And let's see, Garmin uh, let's see, they are, they have officially caved, <laughs> mark your calendars. They are now allowing Bluetooth in their, um, uh, in their profile of devices that they can talk to. So like your heart rate, it's heart rate right now, but, uh, on down the road, maybe it'll be, you know, power meters and all that stuff. And the reason why, if you want to know a little bit of the secret of why, why is Garmin taking forever to, talk to bluetooth devices is because garmin owns the patent on ant technology ant radio and ant wireless and it's in their interest for everybody to be using ant as long as they can because they make money off of it so if the owner of ant admits that bluetooth works then oh my god what's gonna happen i'm a gad and but they finally couldn't take it anymore from market pressure this is an ego thing, by the way, people. This is what ego does to you. It makes you look dumb, so you finally cave in and go, "Okay, I guess I'll do it." And they're they're doing it now, but only with the, only with heart rate. <laughs> so, but eventually it'll go uh, the other way. Uh, my Suunto watch does Bluetooth everything and no ANT. I guess I gave the big middle finger to Garmin. <laughs> they're like, "We're not gonna, we're not gonna do your uh, uh, ANT stuff." But there's there's uh, pluses and minuses to both. And, uh, you have to Google all that to find out yourself. Okay. Um, and just, just a little side note. If you are a company that would love to sponsor a kids triathlon team, my son's Kai, uh, his, he's on Trinity Multisport in, uh, College Station, Texas. And they have, you know, 10, 20 kids, all different ages. And we're actually, he's actually, they are actually looking for sponsors, you know, to put the logos on uniforms and on, on, um, uh, the big team trailer going to events and stuff. And it just makes you feel good to help sponsor kids. I've been thinking about maybe sponsoring them. Um, any kind of amount is good. So uh, let me know. Uh, Texafornia, T-E-X-A, Texafornia at gmail.com. Let me know if you want to sponsor um, a kids triathlon team. They're getting together, uh, getting ready for the spring season. They go to nationals. Uh, they're awesome, man. So... Uh, let me know. There's one kid on the team that actually needs a bike. He's coming from a, a, an unfortunate background and the kid is crazy athletic. So if you want to throw a bike his way, um, funding for a bike so he can go f- get fitted for one and maybe pay for some of his race entries and stuff, then uh, that would be cool too. But whether you do or not, that's cool. We all got to get our, way through, our own way through life. All right. I cut myself on a knife and my knuckle is bleeding and I'm even having to wipe it on thing. got a napkin going here. That's camping for you. Okay, let's go ahead and get started with our interview with Frank Springett and here we are in front of my house in the dark getting ready to go for a ride on these cool folding handlebars and then after that, well we go for the ride and then after that there's a post-ride interview and then I'll be back. Here we go. <laughs> Welcome to the next
0: level.
1: Alright, I am here with Frank Springit from Spring.
0: Yeah, that's right. Isn't that yeah. it, it, it a coincidence? And
1: uh, he's driven up to my house Friday morning in the dark with these try no, MorphTech. I was gonna say Tribe Tech. MorphTech Trifold Bars, these uh, these handlebars that fold into arrow bars um, on the fly. It's super cool. It's gone like viral in the triathlon world. Like, like what are these things? These things are so great. And you got some videos with some pros and the owner of Ventum Bikes even was that? Yeah, uh,
0: Jimmy, Jimmy took a test drive in in Florida when we did Ironman Florida,
1: and, and nodding their heads, going, "Oh my God, this is pretty cool. <laughs> this really does work." And um, so I I uh, tweeted about what I had seen, uh, and then turns out you live pretty close. Yeah. And uh, Frank said, "Hey, I want to come up and show you these bars." And I said, "I need a podcast guest." <laughs> <laughs> so here we are on bikes in the dark, getting ready to ride. And I figured this is a really great test because um, the roads are kind of wet, right? And it's dark. So when else would you need to go from arrow to braking like really fast? That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. Uh, we got blinky lights on, uh, we're on two different Cervellos, and uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about where the idea came from, and uh, how you got started doing this. So really, you know, I'm, I'm pretty new to all this, I've only been doing triathlon about a year now,
0: and um, when I started doing tri, one of the things that kind of bothered me was getting in and out of arrow. So I went online, and I looked for a set of aero bars that would transition from base bar to aero bar, and they didn't exist, yeah. which I thought was kind of silly, right? <laughs> so I um, came up with the idea, uh, and we built a prototype in the garage with a piece of plywood, a jigsaw, and copper fittings, and mm-hmm. put it on my daughter's... BMX bike, Mm -hmm. and went down the road all loaded up with pads and helmets and everything, and and found out, you know what, this is a pretty smooth transition, and it's not unstable. That was a big concern for us, right? Mm -hmm. So from there, it was just, you know, let's build a prototype, first prototype, I put about 2,500 miles on, um, and it was not the prettiest prototype, Mm -hmm. and then worked in the design of these, and and here we are, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty exciting
1: my son i was showing him the video of this yesterday and he said why don't these already exist
0: <laughs> right but
1: you're coming into it uh with a beginner's mind right yeah. so you're new to you're newish to triathlon but you've done an iron man you did florida right yeah. Yeah, and, yeah and so uh you were like you were looking for a product and then you with no it. assumptions that i mean you just assumed it would exist because it's so yeah. obvious and then it's not there There it is. Right? It's here now. Yeah. So (laughs) you ready to go for a ride? Yeah, let's go, man. All right. Let's hear these wheels spin. And go. Cool. All right. We are back, and Frank is showing me how easy it is to adjust the stack height on the arm pads. You just swap out these pieces. Super easy. And you can actually rotate, swivel the um, elbow pad angle independent of everything else. So... If you want to do the bars up, but your hands not as far up, well, that way you can use different uh, extensions. You use different extensions. Yeah, flat ones, yeah. Uh, ski bar, uh, ski tip end ones, and,
0: and the bars can rotate up mm-hmm. versus just rotating straight out. So you've got a lot of variability in, in how those bars, um, you know, when when you're in the arrow position, where your hands are relative to the bars. So like when you release the arrow, anytime you're in arrow, you want your hand, your hands, if you draw a yep. line on the pad. You want the bars to meet your hands. Mm-hmm. Well, instead of doing a ski tip, you could just do a thicker
1: pad and rotate the bars up to your hands.
0: Right. I don't know if that makes sense. but No.
1: Yeah, and then the, the thing you're showing me now also that's so cool is this is independent of the cabling for your shifting and your braking the, the uh, handlebar pieces, the whole handlebar assembly. And then that way you don't have to run anything through it. You can take it off, put it on. Um, and add on your own extensions and, uh, and, and brake levers, anything shifting, all you want. And then also when you showed up, you had three of these on bikes in the back of your uh, Ford. Ford Explorer SUV. And you were able to line them up side by side because you can drop the handlebars.
0: Yeah, down. You put put the arrow bars in you put the bars in arrow and rotate them down, and and they're they're super compact, really easy
1: for travel. Yeah. So I'm gonna post a picture of that on Twitter, of how you can fit three bikes (laughs) side by side. They only take up like a foot a foot of width.
0: I think you get two more in there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if you flip. Yeah, well, yeah. I was about to say if you flip them around, but that's thinking with regular handlebars. These are they're just as wide, they're just as skinny in the front as it is in the back of the bike. That's crazy. So what's your plan? My plan? What's next?
0: (laughs) So we've been working really hard over the last year and, you know, obviously filing all the patent stuff that we're doing. And then Mm -hmm. right now, um, the units that you rode are very, very close to production. There's a couple of minor changes that we're going to make. And we're going into test in February. And we'll be going to... um, uh, third-party lab to do iso 4210 testing which is a bunch of fatigue type testing they do uh, there's, there's a whole host of tests that mm-hmm. ISO 4210 have um so we want to make sure that the product's safe i mean that's really really important to us make sure it's right um we're going to go into pre-order uh at the end of this month so in about two weeks which would be a week to two weeks uh, and then uh, delivery likely to be by end of march um we we, we thought about kickstarter but um we're getting so much just really positive support from the industry. Didn't yeah. think that Kickstarter, Kickstarter is kind
1: of for awareness. You yeah. don't really, you you've got that.
0: Yeah, no, it, I, it has been, I keep saying it is amazing how supportive this industry is and, and mm. how open p- folks are in this industry. And it's been really, really exciting just to see all the great positive feedback that we've seen. So um, yeah, we're, we're hoping to start delivering these in March. Um, we have our, uh, all our supply chain uh, worked out. It's here in Houston um, mm-hmm. I want to keep it made in the USA. Uh, I think that that's important. Um, and, yeah, what else? We're going to Arizona next week uh, to the IBD Summit, which okay. will be a lot of fun, uh, meeting some folks there, uh, meeting mm-hmm. Jimmy Rickettselli I don't know if you know Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's been just fantastic, really, really supportive. We're going to meet him, go, go for some rides. Oh, since
1: he's the head judge, you kind of need... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. you want him on your side, so they allow these things in triathlon, right?
0: Yeah, I mean he's he's already indicated that we're good there. So as far as yeah. you know, um, I mean this
1: is triathlon. This is innovation. Yeah, you know, it's just doing something quote unquote against the rules. I mean that's what triathlon. I mean that's what it's all about is innovation way ahead of what regular. I looked up the UCI regulations, and they're like it needs to be traditional handlebars, you know, for regular road riding. Maybe. Like it yeah. looks like you can you can uh, work around that and stuff too. So
0: we've been working with uh, you know, we're USAT approved, WTC approved. I'm working with uh, ITU right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, their technical committee reviewed it, uh, but they want to see the results of the test. Right. So yeah. Uh, and we were planning on doing that anyways, right? And then okay. we've also contacted UCI. Mm-hmm. Um, their technical committee doesn't uh, doesn't meet until springtime this year. Mm-hmm. So uh, so hopefully. This summer will be approved for TT, and then we also talked about mass start because if you use the horns on these bars, they look traditional. It's just they move, right? right? So right. Um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, that's going to be, I think, a, a bit more of a hurdle. But from a tri perspective, um, once we get ITU, I think we're pretty much good anywhere.
1: And uh, my test ride, we rode uh, moderate hills, wet pavement, stop signs, hard turns, and they felt. Crazy solid, actually, was my impression. I did not expect them to feel so solid in the just riding along, you know, regular, and then also uh, switching between positions. Mm-hmm. They felt um, just amazingly solid. The bike is crazy light because you're actually removing pieces. Mm-hmm. And that's the fastest way to, to drop weight. <laughs> it's just take parts off, amputation. And uh, so yeah, I'm a big fan. I, I can't wait for you to make these. I think I might buy a pair because um, if I do Uberman in the fall, a uh, road bike would actually be really smart. But I don't want to be in road position all the time. I want to be able to switch to aero. And the sensation of having the brakes in your hands and the shifters, and then switching, I mean, that's fantastic. And then switching from one position to the other without ever taking your hands off the brake levers or the shifters it was crazy. Like, I've never felt anything like that. That's really bizarre and cool. Like, I felt so secure on the bike.
0: Yeah, I think the big the big piece of that is that the two arms are, are mechanically linked. Mm-hmm. So if you move one arm, it's going to move
1: with it. Yeah, so structurally, yeah, you're just solid.
0: Yeah, and that's what creates the stability going from one position to mm-hmm. the other, right? Because it's it's all relative to the front wheel. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, it, I'm I'm glad you liked it. Mm-hmm. I um I've like I said I've, I've put twenty five hundred miles on the first prototype, and I really don't like riding regular bars. Yeah,
1: not not anymore. No, <laughs> I wouldn't go back. All right, well, cool. I'll let you pack up, and right. uh, like we were saying, this is a weekday uh, before work. I got to get ready to go to a meeting. <laughs> but this is how you get stuff done. And this is, I'm really excited for you because this is, this is an exciting part of the process, right? Uh, I mean, you're exhausted. (laughs) You're having to drive all over the place, but that shows how much you believe in it. Yeah. You know? Um, And, and uh, the energy you get from more and more people going, Oh my gosh, this is so cool. Yeah. Uh, This is an exciting thing that you're doing.
0: You know, it's, we always say, I mean, you just got to write them, you write them once and you know, right. And I, I have a, background in my my job in product development and so it's been really great to be able to take those skills and understanding how to take a product design it right test it right Mm
1: -hmm. all the way through through. all
0: the way through to to you know production and all the rest of it
1: but it's been patenting all that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no i got i got 50 patents at uh, at work (laughs) so
0: that's kind of one of those things i'm kind of accustomed to
1: awesome man okay cool all right thanks all right well
0: thanks brett it was a real pleasure meeting you i appreciate your time man all right cool
1: all right, um... You need to help you pack anything up? And, um... You need to get you anything from... You want to come inside and grab something before you go?
0: Uh, only thing might be washing my hands.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Easy but... to do. All right, that was super cool. Thank you, Frank. Spring it. And this has all the pieces of actually being successful. The guy really knows what he's doing. Um, He said that it's, uh... It's a lot of fun for him to be doing this. He's all the all the pieces are in place for this thing to actually succeed. So if people like it, we might see these things on all kinds of bikes all the time. I miss riding it already. Like, it was so cool. I actually really loved it. Um, you can find out more about Morph Tech at M O R F T-E-C-H. So that's morph-tech at or not at uh, dot com. And on the website, he's got links to everything, so you can go check them out. And there's pictures on my Twitter and my Instagram uh, all about um, Zen on both with uh, lots of fun riding all those things. It's pretty cool. All right. Uh, before we get into how to face your fears, I need to give a mention to Salt Stick because they have an updated uh, a sponsorship thing they wanted me to uh, let you know about. And shoot, I want to let you know about This is cool. Um uh, salt stick is a uh, sodium electrolyte you know mix of stuff that you can add to your water as needed because we all have different uh, sodium needs electrolyte needs and it's uh, salt stick is the one where it's almost exactly the same ratios as a uh, human sweat I mean like within small percentages so you're replacing back in what you sweat it out so it's awesome and you know they got capsules and stuff and then the other thing is they have a uh, chewables and there's a picture of that that i posted and it's like lemon lime chewable so you put it in your mouth and you just cr- it just crumbles in your mouth a little bit after some pressure from your teeth and it tastes good and, oh my god it's so awesome so i did a bike ride with some the other day and i loved it and i posted a picture of it and you can get all kinds of um well, you get 20, I think it's 25% off. You can get a good discount, uh, 25% off, if you go to the webpage that they put up just for us, fans of Zentry. So you go to saltstick.com slash Zentry. How about that? And they told me that uh, they did a search uh, online and found that people were, um, like it was people getting uh, fake discounts, you know, where they just go and go, how can I get a discount on Salt Stick? Go here and get Zentry. And they weren't um, actual listeners to the podcast. So they, so they password protected how to get through to the page, but it's so easy. The, the, uh, discount code is Zentry, uh, to get into the saltstick.com page. Super simple. So you go there and it's got this blurb about, Hey, we are so, uh, into Zen and Yard Triathlon and glad that you listened to the show. This is awesome that you're a fan. We want to give you 25% off when you order. And that's the way you do it. This is actually when uh, Frank with MorphTech was asking about, hey, how do I uh, set up sponsorships for people? I go, do what Salt Stick is doing. This is awesome. If the athlete or the podcast or whatever uh, gets people interested in the product, then they send them to a page. And then that page offers a discount. And then the company knows that people are coming from this one place and it's, uh, so then they know to keep, you know, working with that that person. It's awesome. And Salt Stick works, man. It really, really works. And the other thing is, is you can take as much of it or as little of it as you want. So if it's not that hot of a day and you're not going to drink that much water and you had something salty for lunch already, you know, you're like, well, I'm just going to take a little bit. And you're like, man, I can tell I need some electrolytes. Then you can double up on it. Oh, it's awesome, man. It's awesome, awesome, awesome. I like taking apart the capsules and then mixing it in with the water. But now that they've got these chewables, I don't know, man. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's so good. I just like chewing those. I, I have the chewable capsule uh, bottle bottle. Right next to my bike <laughs> on the trainer side It tastes good. I can't wait to work out again and use some more. All right. So go visit. Saltstick. Saltstick.com slash try, And then when it says what's your password, type in try, and boom, you're in. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about how to face your fears. Okay, Kai and I were going for a bike ride. I think it's later in the training log of this of this episode. And uh, we got ready to start on our bike ride and the road was washed out down at the bottom of the hill. I mean, we couldn't even get going. And it's like, the road is washed out. Your ride is over, man. You're not going to ride on this road. And we're like, oh, crap. And there's water running over the road. It's like a foot deep. And I was like, man, this sucks. We just got beat, right? And then I thought, no, we did not get beat. We are going to go and we're going to go start somewhere else. Right. And then we so, so we started the bike ride at a different location, about uh, 20 minutes away by car. And then while we were riding, it crossed my mind. Hey, let's go to the other side of where that obstacle, that fear, that that uh, raging uh, creek that was covering the road. You know, like you can't pass me. Let's go to the other side of it and show it that we beat it. We made it to the other side and we did it our way. We fought and we won. We're now on the other side of you and you can't tell us what to do. We're going to beat our fear. And Kai, so I told Kai, I said, Hey, let's keep pedaling down this road. I know that this road goes to the other side of the, of where that Creek had cut us off. And he said, really? I go, yeah. And so then we got, we pedaled all the way to it. And then we got off our bikes and sat there and looked at it. And and just, I said, Kai, just soak in the, in the feeling that we're on the other side of this creek that tried to stop us. And he liked it. He was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then we got on our bikes and pedaled off. And so we're in the car together and he asked a question about that. So I forgot what it was. And I said, son, you know, this isn't the, um, I do this a lot. This is not the only time that I've gone and looked at something that had me beat and showed it that I'm, I've beaten it. And he said, really dad? Like what? And I said, well, You remember a year ago when I broke my arm, I tripped over a chain that was strung across a road at night and I fell down and broke my arm. And the arm break was when it settled in like um, a few days later, I went to go visit the doctor after doctor after doctor, orthopedic surgeon, emergency room guy, you know, all these different people. They're like, you're not going to be able to straighten your arm out ever again past this. And you know, like it's not much. And they said, you're not... um, you might not be able to swim right ever again. And that was devastating to me because my identity, the ego is about me being a swimmer, right? It's like Garmin uses ant <laughs> and I'm like, Brett is a swimmer. And how can I, uh, I don't know what to do with myself. You know, it's like, it feels like a death blow. If you've, uh, to the gut, to heart, to your heart. If you've, uh, been told you can't do something, um, that's, uh, you know, that you were used to, that you're used to doing a lot of and that you love doing. And, Um, One of the very first things that I did was uh, start swimming, A, uh, as soon as I could, and it was terrible. Oh my gosh, it was so painful, and I was so, so, so slow, and then uh, the other thing is as soon as I could, um, and this was like a few weeks later, maybe at most, I started running, and then within a couple runs, emotionally, it was very difficult, within a couple of runs, or so, um, and I'm kind of holding my arm kind of to my body and stuff like that, I, um, I ran, and I ran to where that chain was strung across the road, It's about a mile from my house, I ran there, right, I didn't go there in my car, I ran there, and I'd already, already run like a little bit further in another direction, and, and then I stood in front of that chain, and I looked at it, and, and I think I pointed at it. If anybody drove by, they're like, what is this guy doing? And I go, I see you, chain. That's a very Buddhist thing to do. I'll tell you about that in a minute. I said, I'll see you, chain. I see you, chain. You didn't beat me. I'm back. I am back. And I'm here, and I'm looking at you. I'm in charge, not you. I'm in charge of my life. You're not going to tell me what to do. And um, it was very emotional. And I stood there. I was actually kind of afraid of going back. And I was like, "You are gonna go back and look at the thing that changed, has changed your life." And man, has it ever! It it ruined me for a while, and um, and I stood there until I was done looking at it, and then I turned around when I wanted to, when I was satisfied, and then ran off, ran off. And I don't know if y'all remember but when I tripped on that thing and broke my arm. I went about ten feet, and I couldn't walk. The pain was so bad. Uh, the emergency room doctor said it was a, a, one of these classic injuries that explodes your elbow caps, capsule when you put your arms out to try to catch yourself. It's extremely painful. They said um, on a scale of one to 10, how bad does it hurt? And I said 10. I've never felt like anything like this in my entire life. I said, I imagine it could hurt harder, but it would, you would have to do a railroad spike through my arm and be hitting it Uh, for me to say that it um, it's still actually I think it's still broken today in my forearm um it clicks and every once in a while I feel a a snapping kind of thing and some sharp pain whenever I pull on something too hard I wasn't able to drive with my uh, use my left arm at all for anything for months Um, the pain was unbelievable but um, I walked off when I was done and I'm like I'm in charge of this now you're not telling me what to do and My son was like, really? You went back to it and looked at it and did that? And I go, yeah, it's important for you to have closure with things so you're back in charge of your life and you're making the decisions. You got a bad grade in a classroom and that teacher's really bothered you and you think it's going to bother you for the rest of your life. You go back to that classroom after school is over and you face the door of that classroom and you take ownership of that, you know? Uh, all kinds of things. You wreck on your bike, you go back to the spot where you wrecked on your bike and you look at it and it's when you're in charge of it. And, um, the, the, there's two examples in the past where I've done that, um, that are pretty significant is one, um, when I got, uh, laid off from my job in California and we had to move back to Texas. It was devastating. In San Diego, I had the life, man. I was surfing. I was working for a dot-com company. I had stock options, lots of stock options, big stock options. Uh, we had just bought a house about a year before. Um, I was mountain biking. I mean, I was in heaven. We were living in a school district ready to have a kid if, uh, if we, we weren't pregnant yet, but you know, we bought a house and, uh, and It was all set. Life was amazing. Amazing. It was all set. And I got laid off and the rug just got pulled under me. And I had to move back to Texas. It was terrible. Well, a few years later, I happened to be in San Diego. And I drove back to where our old house was and stood or sat in my car or something like that. But anyway, in, in front of that house and looked at it. And I was like, this life is gone. It's gone. But my own life now, I've taken over and I'm doing it. And we're okay now. Because, and I'm not afraid of you anymore. You're not going to make me feel bad. I've moved on and I'm looking at you as I moved on to prove it that I've moved on. And you'll notice you can't go do this until you've moved on. (laughs) But it's also part of the process of moving on if you choose to do it. And, um, but this all goes back to, I remember when I went to military school and I was like 14 years old, just turned 14, and the um, there's a Marine Corps obstacle course, which is terrifying, as it is, and uh, especially if you're only 14. And there is this thing that's called, it's like a, called a ladder or something like that, and it goes way up into the sky, and it's got rungs on it. It's really wide. It's, let's say it's 10 feet wide, uh, 20 feet wide, I don't know. But then it goes up, and the rungs are. Bars that are probably a foot in diameter, so you can't hold on to them with your hand. They're maybe uh, eight inches in diameter, but you can't hold on to them with your hands, so you can't get a grip out of them. You have to hook them with your arms. So now you don't have a good grip, really. And then they're also spaced apart, like maybe three feet, two feet, three, two and a half feet, and so they're they're at an odd distance apart where you can't just climb it. Right? So you got to hook and kind of pull yourself up to the next one and then kind of, and then it's paint, they were painted yellow, so they could be kind of slick if they were wet. And this thing goes up, I don't know, like 20 feet in the air. I mean, like, like pretty high up. And you're like, man, and you have to go up one side over it and then down the other. And I'm telling you, going over it is really hard because you're bear hugging that top rung and trying not to fall off this thing. And the whole time you've got drill instructors, Marine Corps drill instructors screaming at you that you suck, that you're too slow, hurry up, right? So it's terrifying. Um, but it's the screaming and yelling at you that they're going to kill you in your sleep (laughs) if you don't go over it, that forces you to go over it. And then once you're over it once, you're like, oh, I could, I could do that. So it's a confidence builder. Um, but I remember being terrified going over this thing at, uh, at first at age 14. And then later on in the school year, it was like a few months later, we were so confident and so, uh, overly confident in ourselves and, uh, tough and crazy By then, they had done their job. You know, they put us through a couple months of this uh, boot camp, uh, Marine Corps boot camp, hell weeks. I mean, just over and over and over again. That um, for fun, we had happened to have a couple of hours in the afternoon one day where they told us we could go do whatever we want. Uh, A couple of friends and I went over to the obstacle course and climbed up that thing for fun and then sat on it uh, and wrapped our legs around the top bar. And at military school, a lot of people smoke cigarettes and stuff like that. And we smoked cigarettes on top of that thing and then using our body weight, not holding onto it with our hands, just holding onto it with our legs, uh, like riding like horseback style, uh, with our legs wrapped around it, and then wiggling it left and right with our hips, laughing, uh, smoking cigarettes. <laughs> we had come back to it and... We owned it. We we were in charge of that thing. Now it was no longer uh, making us afraid. Uh, it was now afraid of us and how uh, crazy we were. And that's kind of where this all started. And uh, and then since then, I've been I've been like, yeah, if something wrecks wrecks you, go back and uh, go dominate it yourself. And you stand there and you look at it and you declare that you see it. Until you're done with it, and then you can move on. Now, what's really interesting is I just got a, a tweet about this the other day. Somebody sent it to me again. Um, "I see you, Hill," is a thing in. Um, well, "I see you, Mara," is a thing in Buddhism, and it's where Buddha was trying to reach enlightenment, and he got visited by Mara, which is the devil, and their version of the devil. And Mara says, "What are you doing here?" And uh, "You can't do this. You're ter- you, you know, you're never going to be this. What do you, who do you think you are?" Blah blah blah. And all Buddha said was. You know, I see you, Mara. And he's hes like, I'm here. You're visiting me. And I am... Or actually, I'm visiting you. I can do... I'm fine. You're the one with the problem, not me. And um, so we talked about this in previous uh, Zen Tri podcast. That when you're faced with something difficult, you call it out. You go, I see you, Hill. I see you, yard that I don't want to mow. I see you, um, sweat rate that's insane. I see you um, uh, alligator in the lake that I'm afraid of crossing. I see you, I see you. And so this really took off and people were, um, uh, started tweeting me and, and, uh, emailing me stuff of where they said this during difficult times in life and difficult parts and races and travel and training, they would say, I see you. And then whatever thing was difficult, I see you broken chain. I see you wind, you know, when you're riding into the headwind, I see you heat, And it really took off. And it was just so funny that just a couple of days ago, somebody tweeted at me, I see you, Hill. (laughs) Because we started this whole whole thing on Zentri. Okay, so that's how you face your fears. I hope you can use that and uh, get things done with it. And let's go ahead and move on with uh, donations and Hornet Juice. You can uh, donate to Zentri by going to the left-hand side of the page, looking for the donation link which is always helpful. It keeps the show on the air and de- desperately need the donations all the time. And then also on the right-hand side, you can get Hornet juice, which is an amino acid powder, which is protein that um, extends, heightens your fat burning and extends your endurance. So either way, uh, getting yourself involved in that helps support the show and is uh, the Hornet juice gets you something really cool that you get to use. And recurring donations or one-time donations are really neat because then you can send in your name and I read it on the air like I'm about to do. And also you can attach an email or send, yeah, my email address after that point and you can send me an email. So Francisco M. ordered hornet juice from Puerto Rico. And I asked him how it was down there in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. And he said, it's awesome down here. Just did an eight mile run today. Uh, Getting ready for a half marathon next month and the half Ironman PR, Puerto Rico, on March 19th. Triple exclamation points. Love the show. I also, I actually also bought some salt stick and the dispenser on Saturday. Hey, cool, man. Um, How do you stack the Hornet juice and the salt stick? Well, Hornet juice doesn't have any, uh, doesn't have any um, soda, it doesn't have any electrolytes in it. Um, So one capsule of salt stick per hour to start off, I would say. Uh, Hornet juice lasts an hour and a half. So what you do is you mix it up uh, in a bottle with your fuel. So two, three hundred, calories from maltodextrin powder or gels mixed in um and those two together all that together and then uh one or two bottles spread out on the bike ride depending on how long you're going to be out there and you just drink from that and then also extra lots of extra water on top of that especially in Puerto Rico where it's going to be so hot so yeah um you mix up what you want to take for the bike ride over in bottles and pre-made bottles uh diluted or concentrated a concentrated bottle, and then you sip from that and spread it out over the time that you're going to be. That's what a lot of pros do, and it really works. Uh, Axel Siebenborn sent in a donation. Thanks, man. M. Webb is a recurring donor. Paul Eger sent in a donation and said, "Great show, thanks!" Exclamation point. Matthew Freuss Allison Frutos, Lars Miner says, "Hey, Brett, thanks for a great podcast!" Exclamation point. <laughs> Love the energy and all. And that the podcasts are lengthy, uh, awesome for long workouts, even swimming. So don't listen to people complaining if they complain about the length. It's awesome, energizing, and inspirational. Anyway, wanted to hear about the delivery time on Hornet Juice if I order from you. Well, it takes about two weeks, sometimes longer, sometimes less, because it comes from New Zealand. Um, I got a package from Amazon to try, try, uh, after your massive endorsements and a three. Uh, longest training runs and one mile chia seeds, out, hornet juice, and I felt like a diesel engine. That's right, that's that hornet juice. Not sure if it's just me getting fitter or placebo or if it actually works. Honestly, who cares? Oh. <laughs> if it works, it works. Um, but it's it's the hornet juice. Uh, we'll keep trying since it seems to be doing something, and would love to support your podcast indirectly that way. So just want to make sure it doesn't take weeks to deliver. Oh, and so you get an idea of one fraction of your podcast. Uh, sample demographic 38 38 year old male danish with an american wife how do you know she's not an american living with a danish huh anyway uh living in chicago starting out kite surfing and mountain biking on lake michigan maybe uh always ran and felt more of a drive towards endurance racing than the adrenaline sports yeah me too after a while you're kind of like okay i want to go long anyway i used to love uh just more fulfilling feels like an, an accomplishment and racing is just plain fun switched f- to first marathon copenhagen six years ago used tons of spinning and even some brick training to toughen up mentally completely inspired by a couple of triathlete friends that did the full 140.6 then moved to the united states thank god America's awesome uh with my wife and did two more marathons Atlanta, hilly as crap, and Chicago, flat and awesome. Was too busy rebuilding life, career, and new country to get into try, though I wanted to, just a massive transition and didn't have the foundation in place. But finally got started with the Chicago triathlon last year after getting too damn heavy. Olympic distance, 259, but 244 race time minus slow T1, T2, do something. Anyway, and love it. This is like the perfect sport and super fun. Yes, dude, you're hooked, good all right big ramble i'm on the twitter at lars minor m-e-i-n-e-r and facebook um but thank you for fueling the fire man exclamation point looking forward to hopefully many more podcasts from you cheers lars yes thank you lars oh yeah i forgot training for the steelhead 70.3 in august 2017 which is why there's still a need for the why there is a need for the hornet juice that's right, dude. Uh, Tyler Moir sent in a donation. He's recurring. Uh, Dwayne Morin, Joseph Rogalski, Richard Trago, James Von Hippel, Houston Marsh. What's up, dude? Uh, Michael Rodonga. and the coolest name in triathlon, Brett Porter. All right, let's go ahead and get started with the training log. So much in here, and we gotta get going. Here we go.
0: You are entering the Zentrite training log zone, Kuneli.
1: Hi, everybody. My name's Brett. I'm a trash. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But, Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on, dudes. Let's go exercise. Exercise. No!
0: I'm going to do sit ups till I poop myself.
1: All right. Welcome to a new training log. I'm in the Zentri Mobile Studios, leaving the pool and let's see it's january 2nd man and this morning is one of those mornings of why i got started doing Trafon and doing the Trafon podcast because i wanted people to see how much adventure and how much more alive your life is when you do just crazy stuff <laughs> so we had a uh, weather warning come through um It's gonna be... Oh, we got a Google Home thing for Christmas, and that's a ton of fun, man. You ask it jokes. That's the best thing. Hey Google, tell me a joke. Hey Google, tell me a dirty joke. And then it tells you a joke that usually has mud involved. (laughs) Pretty funny. And, uh... But anyway, we, uh... Well, Kai and I went for a bike ride yesterday afternoon. That was pretty badass. Oh, we got an accident up ahead. Play it cool. And... Uh, Last night, we got weather warnings that there was going to be lightning storms and such coming through in the middle of the night, early in the morning to late morning. And we live in the Midwest, so we live not exactly in Tornado Alley, but we get tornadoes and hail and all kinds of crazy stuff. So we kind of got to watch it, man. We get severe, severe storms. And uh, let's see, I got up around 4... 20 because it was just lightning outside like crazy. And my plan was to go swim this morning. And one reason I quit swimming at this one pool, even though it was a um, what is it like a 26 meter pool? It's it's a long story why, but a 26 meter pool, so you get longer distance uh, per lap and all that stuff. Uh, But it was an outdoor pool and it was just closed all the time. Turn down the radio there, it's closed off and on randomly, which is the worst. Uh, Randomness just drives people crazy. And the, um, because you get all your stuff together and you're planning on going swim and then boom. Um, Pools broken over and over and over again. Uh, Storms, lightning, so uh, if the lightning detector goes off, got one of those systems, then no, um, no swimming for 15, 30 minutes or something like that. So just too many mornings sitting in the car in the cold waiting for the lightning detector to give the all clear. And uh, when I was a lifeguard as a teenager back in the 80s, uh, we just said, if there's no lightning, if if you hear thunder, close the pool down. No thunder, no worries, man. And anyway, so we're, uh, so I swim at this other pool that's an indoor pool. It's a 25 yard pool. It's not the greatest pool at all. It's too hot. Sometimes the water is 84 degrees. And uh, it just kind of sucks. But it's consistent. That's the thing we talk about in triathlon all the time. is consistency. So this pool is consistently open. And it's got great hours. You know, 5 a.m. Until, I don't know, sometimes 10, 11 p.m. Uh, just good good hours, man. So for, when you get serious about training, it's consistency. I can always go. Because you don't know when you're, um, you're gonna to be too sore to bike or run, so just go to the pool instead. So if you know the, the pool is going to be open, is a big deal. But, funny thing, after all that talk about how awesome it is, uh, the pool heater broke the other day. So now the water's down to uh, 74 degrees, and it's a bit chilly at first, but um, it's tolerable, it's not that bad. And so I've done two swims at 74 degrees, but on my way to the pool this morning, Uh, lightning's going off like crazy and then on the car the the the, uh, NOAA alarm starts going off the and 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 I get to the pool they're like you're really gonna swim I said yeah because I know that the pool is actually grounded and um, if lightning strikes nearby the uh, the risk of being killed by lightning is actually really, really 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 small So I'm swimming in a 74 degree pool, uh, (laughs) and the pool has glass all the way on, gosh, on two or three sides. The third side looks out over a gym, but that gym has actually uh, got glass around it as well to the outside. So the pool is being lit up because it's nighttime otherwise, and uh, just flash, 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 boom, flash. Sitting there swimming laps like a fool. And just the excitement of it all was just so cool. All that, uh, oh and I'm swimming with um, pool boys and pool buoys and drag shoot and the uh, the pool manager guy comes in and measures the water pH. And I know he's sitting there shaking his head. He's like, nuts. <sighs> but dude, seriously, a little bit of excitement, a little bit of nuts in your life, uh, what makes triathlon so awesome. To to get done, what you need to get done to be to finish a triathlon, um, you can't be normal. And today's normal is so wimpy and just so such a consumer, and uh, just sit there and take it and uh, work at your desk and don't do anything. Just be safe. And we're so wimpy. And uh, this kind of adventure is awesome and it's adventure right there out your front door uh, and on top of that, two other things I went for a bike ride with Kai yesterday and I started asking him, uh, he did something I asked him if he was trying hard and he said no and I got mad at him, I go dude I'm out here taking my time to ride with you and you're not even trying hard and so he got mad and then he started trying really hard so anyway Kai, is only he's only 12 years old but uh, we did 28 miles yesterday and around 16, 17 miles per hour and he wasn't even trying the first half and we're out on the access road of a freeway for almost two hours and that was fun, that was a lot of fun Uh, lots of adventure right there Um, nice and hilly Um, and in Texas right now I guess before this front came through 70 degrees, right? oh my gosh, and just a light breeze and overcast in the middle of the afternoon on New Year's Day you don't really get much better than that And then, uh, the other thing is when I leave the pool, I've gotten in the habit of, there's this little room that has a, um, it's kind of a big room, that has a a punching bag. Hold on, I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. And uh, it's got two stand-up punching bags, and what a cool, uh, it's got a punching bag that you lay on the ground, too, that's like just a dead body. And... What a super cool habit. Um, it's got everything that that good, smart habits uh, need. And by that, I mean um, it's already ingrained in what you're already doing. I'm walking past. It's kind of like having a pull-up bar in the doorway, you know, of your job or something. And I walk past the, um, the punching bag on my... Uh, on my way out out of the building, and I go in that room, close the door, and I just hammer on it. And what I've noticed is uh, my punching technique uh, and uh, how much weight you can throw behind it and your skill set has just um, improved so much, like how much weight you can put into a kick, right? Uh, Side kick, front kick, I tell you what, a front kick is really devastating. It's kind of where you bring your knee up towards your chest and then push forward with the ball of your foot. Um, And if you hit somebody in like their quad with something like that, uh, man, you could really, really hurt them. And they're not expecting it. And since it's coming straight on, it's really hard to block. You know, if you swing from the side, you can kind of see it coming and block things. But anyway, what I've noticed is, uh, well, for a little bit of background, when I was uh, when I was in military school, if we got into fights, then you had to um, box to finish the fight. And so I saw and participated in lots of boxing matches and had plenty of um, uh, boxing training. And then just for a very short while, I took boxing classes when I was in San Diego. And then I was a bouncer also for a year at one of the most happening, busy. Heavy nightclubs in uh, in town in a college town, College Station, Texas, with you know a top uh, football team, and the the craziest nights were the nights after an Aggie football game, and football players, big, just brutal assassins (laughs) of of men would come to the uh, come to the bar either to celebrate or because they were angry, one or the other. Neither one is good, I can tell you and i was a bouncer in this situation and i used to weigh about 230 pounds which is plenty and six foot three and um, hardly ever got into fights but had to um manhandle and uh, uh and usually and i was always sober if you're sober and the other person's drunk it levels the playing field somebody can be really big um, they just can't move very fast because their reaction time so it's kind of like you're fighting somebody and they're in slow motion, and you're in normal motion, so it's not—it's nothing really to, to brag about that much. But my uh, my point is that see, I swim three times a week, sometimes four times a week, and most times I've made a habit out of this I, over the past couple months of uh, swinging by the uh, punching bags on the way out of the gym and just spinning. Man, I think at most five minutes uh, practicing hitting the bags. You know tap 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 bam 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 tap tap bam bam and then working on a repetitive motion sidekick 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 and the more you do it the more weight you learn to put into it and trust it and I do it in a mix of barefoot shorts uh, work clothes today I did it in work clothes so so jeans and business shoes you know and button-down shirt Uh, because you never know what uh, you're going to be wearing when you actually have to defend yourself against somebody and then also um, grabbing the back of the bag with one arm and pulling the person theoretically close to you and then uh, popping it with uh, elbows because actually if you ever get into a street fight you're going to break your hands really really fast and it's really dumb uh, getting into a, a fight ever and Uh, the consequences both of being sent to jail and a lawsuit and you can accidentally kill somebody Um, if you knock somebody out with a punch and they fall over backwards they can hit the back of their head on the uh, pavement or against a curb or against a table and the next thing you know um, they're dead and now you're going to prison for uh, manslaughter so it's just not cool it's just not ever anything you should get into but what happens is uh the first thing to go if you punch somebody in the face is you break your hand uh one time i punched my brother just in the shoulder and uh, we were teenagers and it broke my hand and he laughed at me (laughs) i was about five foot seven five foot eight at the time and he was six foot three and i remember him looking down at me and just laughing and i was holding my hand going oh my god and uh anyway so um A trick is to learn how to throw with elbows and uh, and also if you're uh, scrapping with somebody things get really close really quick and um, you're on top of them they're on top of you uh, you know they're grabbing each other's shirts and stuff like that and um, a lot of that uh, when I was a bouncer was keeping the guy away from you shoving him hard and fast uh, towards the door of the club so and every time that he's more than, you know, four feet away from you because you've shoved him fast, now he can't hit you. And he's closer to the door. And you just keep doing that over and over and over again. And then once he's through the door, um, you and your your other bouncer guys uh, stand there and don't let the guy back in. And now you've got three or four of you, and, and they're outside, and you're inside, and, that's, and it's over with. It's done. And that, that usually ends it right there. But um, that's advice for anybody that's ever at a house party and – somebody starts fighting is get them outside of the house and lock the door (laughs) don't fight them just turn them around and shove them and have somebody open the door and just shove them out the door and then uh, close the door behind them and they're going to be all mad and be out pacing in the yard and stuff like that but you're like dude go home but anyway the uh the shoulder the uh elbow strikes um and you need to be able to practice from coming from the side coming from down down to up as if you're hitting somebody in the chin from coming up like an uppercut um, and then also top down and that's called twelve o'clock to six o'clock uh, like on a clock face come top to bottom and those are all um, different ones you need to practice both sides uh, you also need to practice palm strikes uh, that'll save your hands from being broken too as you hit you lift your fingers up and uh, hit them with the right there with the base of your palm it's like hitting somebody with a phone book it's really amazing And all these can um, can save you uh, from breaking your hands uh, because once your hands are broken man you're you're done for and all that stuff is uh, my point is it feels good man to to be practicing that whether you ever hopefully you'll never ever ever need to use something like that but also if you practice it just a few times a week then um, your ability to react and also throw your weight into something that makes all the difference you can sit there and um, uh, practice uh, a little bit, reaction time, but it's also putting your weight behind something with a twist that um, makes it have actual force and will stun somebody into leaving you alone, uh, which is all pretty good stuff. And then also on top of that, a lot of times Kai is swimming with me and we practice together. And it's funny to see this little 12-year-old on top of a body bag, raining blows down upon it, (laughs) and he's really not that into it. It's me. Uh, that's doing it, but I figured we're putting in work now so that uh, he kind of gets the idea of how I didn't know how to punch either. Um, I kind of punched. Um, this, this is gonna sound sexist, but I don't mean it sexist at all. It's just because most girls don't um, aren't trained on how to fight, and a lot of so like everybody throws quote unquote like a girl until um, until you're trained otherwise. You Kind of like elbows down and pushing forward from the elbow forward and you're not like putting your shoulder into a hip twist. and then once um anybody's taught how to do that it's also kind of like throwing a baseball instead of doing an overhand with putting all your weight behind it it's doing a uh, pushing forward motion which has like no force behind it whatsoever and then as boys and girls um get better at it and better at it and more and more training they learn to you know put their weight behind it. everybody's fighting like that which goes to um a show uh the coolest thing that happened lately was the ronda rousey fight was on the other night and i didn't watch it because i figured it'd probably be over pretty quick and it wouldn't wouldn't be worth the money and man was i right um and it it's because amanda nunez nunez whatever um is who ronda was fighting And all of her fights um, the past couple years, she's been quote unquote punching like a guy. And what that means is just sharp twist, wide shoulders, all the weight behind it, locking out her arm and just clocking people. And when anybody throws like that, then uh, you're gonna get hit, and you're gonna get hurt, and it's gonna be bad. (laughs) And uh, Rhonda's Rhonda's specialty is um, judo throw. But what Rhonda's been trying to do lately is uh, stand and fight, and that's not her gift. And I think when you're at that top, top level, um, you gotta stick with your gift. You work on your weakness, but you don't rely on your weakness to uh, win a fight. And when they ring the bell and they come out of their corners, the very first thing, if you're fighting a killer like Amanda Nunes, then you need to um, go to your strength. And and uh, uh, Ronda's strength, of course, is the uh, body grab, judo throw, armbar. And she should do boxing to kind of defend herself, to duck and weave, to uh, keep from getting beat up too bad while she goes in for that armbar and a throw. I mean, she went to the Olympics. She was a, a, a bronze uh, judo Olympian. and uh, But... She tried to stand and box with Amanda Nunes, who throws uh, punches like they're bullets coming out of a rifle, and you just can't do that. And it took one hit, one jab, and uh, Ronda was um, stunned just a little bit, and that opened her up for a couple more hits, and then like the third hit just rocked her world. Absolutely stunned her, and then um, then she was just like a punching bag, and uh, Nunez just went to town on her and they had to stop the fight 48 seconds in from uh, because you know uh, Rhonda's badass, so she can take a hit for a while and still stand. These people are trained, you know, not to fall. Some, sometimes they get knocked out and they lay on the ground and still swing their arms like they're fighting in the air. <laughs> That's how well trained they are to keep going. Uh, it's kind of like doing the Ironman shuffle. You know, you're done. You're done, dude. You are not going to have a good race. But still, you just keep trudging along. You're going to finish. doesn't matter that you're doing a 25-minute mile. <laughs> you're going to just plod along. And uh, that's uh, that's what Ronda was doing. She was still standing, but was just taking hit after hit to the head. And uh, was just a, a walking zombie while Nunez was pounding her uh, the Herb Dean, I think is his name, jumped in, broke up the fight, said it's over. And uh, Nunez continues on at yeah. heavyweight, or not heavyweight, uh, women's champ. I think they got two. De- but, um, you know, one of the reasons I talk about all this fighting stuff is I'm, I'm I'm into it, but I'm definitely not into fighting fighting. But I'm into the other part of it, watching it and whatever, because I've noticed that it ups your energy level, your testosterone level, to to witness a little bit of this. And um, as you get tired from triathlon training and all the endurance stuff, a little pep-up uh, is actually good for you. It's kind of like listening to heavy metal. Watching, watching some fights uh, kind of gets you thinking a little bit, what would I do? And it kind of energizes. I do not ever uh, endorse that. And most of the fighters don't. It's a lot, it's a lot of showboating, a lot of hacking You know, kick your ass. And then they never do it, except for in there because they know. Anyway, that's it. I'll be back later. Out, bing. All right, let's take a break and mention Amrita bars. Oh, I just had one, where is it? Where's the wrapper? It was the Chocolate Maca, Maca, Maca Attack. Let's see, let me go get it right here. Because they have regular energy bars and then they have their recovery energy bars here. Oh, Amrita, plant-based nutrition, Chocolate Maca. 15 grams of protein in one bar. How about that? I have, I have the high protein ones after I swim. Oh man, it's such good stuff. They have all different kinds of flavors. They are non, uh, I wouldn't say non allergenic, because that's, that's like, it's uh, not the right wording, hypoallergenic. <laughs> there's no nuts. They use seeds instead for the protein. So if you have a nut allergy, there's no worries there. They are uh, vegan friendly and uh, no animal products used inside. Uh, Gluten-free, dairy-free, peanut-free, soy-free. Long time, long, long time uh, sponsor of the show. Kai was in a soccer game today, drinking out of an Amrita water bottle. Speaking of the other stuff they make, they have all kinds of cool gear, and he scored two goals. Now, if you eat Amrita bars, will you score two goals in life? Probably. You never know. Got to find out, and you can find out by going to... AmritaHealthFoods.com and using discount code ZEN2016. That's discount code ZEN2016. It's actually a really cool fuel for long rides because it's super easy to digest. And also, here's another thing. They don't freeze. A lot of bars, the competition, uses uh, stuff that will actually freeze when it gets cold. As we head into winter, Amrita bars stay soft. You can open one up and plow through it uh, nice and chewy and uh, they're date based it's really cool Um, the way I eat Amrita bars when I'm biking along is I open one up and or I'll maybe pre-open one before I get going on the bike but anyway I take a bite out of it like maybe a quarter or a third of the bar in one bite and then I fold the end of the wrapper back over the rest of the bar and then I put it on the, on my quad, I stuff it up the front of my bike shorts from the uh, knee side, kind of push it up in there, and it stays flat with my quad right here, right there. And then um, 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later, I just grab it, pull it back out, push the bar forward in the wrapper, boom, another bite, and it keeps your stomach feeling so good, super smooth, super nice. There's cardamom in it, which actually soothes the stomach. So, all right. That's it for Amrita Bars. Thank you so much for being a sponsor. Show them some love. Again, uh, discount code 2016, Zen2016 at AmritaHealthFoods.com. And also they have, like I said, a big store with all kinds of cool gear. Shirts, jerseys, water bottles, fun stuff like that. Go check them out. All right, back to the episode. All right. All right, we are back. Back in the Zen Mobiles. Ah, man. Uh, I got a question, I went riding with Kai today, and I probably will talk about it at the beginning of the show, facing our, it's quite an adventurous ride, but I posted a picture yesterday of Kai and I riding, and he's riding these carbon wheels that I got a while back that I promised I would review and talk about on the show, so it's been a while, and I've learned a lot about them, and I'll give you my recommendation on these things. So Kai wanted race wheels, and he wanted, you know, million dollar race wheels, and Uh, I went out of my way and found, for $600 total, which is probably half the price of one wheel of Zips or Envy's or whatever, and found these wheels online, full carbon, and uh, 60 millimeter, sort of, maybe 55, 50. But anyway, and uh, ordered them, and uh, they have been fantastic, but I want to put an asterisk. They have been fantastic for Kai, who started out riding them at 100, no, 70 pounds, and now he's pushing 100 pounds. And I think by the time he gets up to 120 pounds, that they're going to start making me nervous. And that's even though they um, are—they've been fine, wonderful wheels. uh, The risk of buying discount carbon. From China is so huge because you don't know what you're getting. And I think a lot of times they don't know what they're selling you because there's so little testing on these. They're okay. And there was a video I saw online of a guy that repairs carbon. And he was going over when carbon fails, either repairs it or takes it apart and finds out what it's about. And this guy's older. Looked like he was about 50 something and looked like a very decent cyclist Looked like so he, he knew what he was talking about and his shop was just full of frames and he said that he had been through thousands so he knows what so not just frames i'm sure and the uh just the difference in carbon from five ten years ago between then and now is incredible And what you do is when you take apart the carbon and you look on the inside of the hollow part of the frame, you can start to see where there's imperfections, the imperfections start to come undone. They start to come as a failure, and carbon fails uh, catastrophically. Steel, you know, like you take a paper clip and you bend it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You have to keep doing that like 20 times, and then finally it'll break, you know. Um, Carbon, when it fails, it it fails like fiberglass, it just shatters almost. It's a little bit stronger than that, but not much. And there's um, a huge problem with this stuff. And so we're talking about Trek, um, Bianchi, you know, like the, the best, best brand. The difference in their own stuff between today, uh, how much better it is, and just a few years ago, is so night and day that the, um, it's like folds, stuff like that, that you can't see from the outside. That they didn't really care about because it was on the inside. Well, it turns out that's where a lot of the stuff starts to fail. And the, um, so you take a manufacturer that has no, <laughs> no responsibility whatsoever to make stuff right, doesn't care, and cuts corners. I mean, this is, it's unfortunate. This is the same country that when they run out of a main ingredient, they put plasticizer in it. When all those dogs died uh, putting plasticizer in dog food because they just ran out of the main ingredient, well, they got to fill orders. So what do they care? You're a country away, uh, an ocean away. You're never going to get them, so they don't really care. And that's just the way the human mind works. And that, just when you offshore stuff. And knowing that, I would not buy cheap Chinese carbon rims again. From um, There is too much of a risk. Now, one safety precaution I did was um, I put a high spoke count on the and that way, at least they're a little bit stronger six. And I got white. There's a picture on Instagram taken on January 1st. You can go check it out. You can see. Now the other thing is carbon wheels and braking power. Again, we're talking about a 100 pound kid, so he doesn't need much braking power. Um, you start getting up into 140 pounds, 50 pounds. I weigh 190 pounds right now. and I would not ride these th- I would not ride carbon rims. Um, after I've seen the difference, uh, GCN, Global Cycling Network, puts out a lot of videos, and there's a lot of hype right now about um, disc brakes, uh, carbon clean and this was really funny. They're like, well, on carbons uh, that are tubeless ready, you can, um, you can run no tubes, so you can run a lower tire pressure, pinch flat and all this, and they're like, by the time that you add in the, um, the sealant, and the extra thickness of the tire or something like that, then you're right back to the same amount of weight as if you were riding alloy rims or um, rims with uh, disc brakes. So it's not a weight saver by any means. And then check this out. The, there's all this hype also right now about wider tires, which is um, definitely founded, right? Uh, wider t- tires are fantastic. I did this one race on super wide tires on a mountain bike and i went really really fast i was really surprised um, because the next year i rode on a regular road bike and i could not match my time and i was on a mountain bike with fat fat tires but they were slicks Um, it was absolutely really bizarre but uh, wider tires have lower rolling resistance and you would say oh they're gonna have higher wind resistance not if the rim shape matches the tire now There's one other thing, is the the, uh, shape of the tire is affected greatly by the width of the inside of the rim track, not the outside. When they're like, these are 25 millimeter wide uh, rims. Well, they're 25 millimeters wide on the outside, but on the inside, if they're carbon rims, they have to be thicker, and that thicker means that they're gonna further pinch in the uh, the tire bead, the part that attaches the tire to the, it's going to pinch that in a little bit uh, more narrow, and now you're losing a lot of what, not all of it, but a lot of the, the sidewall stiffness of your tire, um, because now it, it pinches in and then back out to the width of the tire and then back in to the tip of the tire where it makes contact, and, uh, and turning and, and all kinds of stuff, there's um, you're losing um stability in your tire and probably losing other stuff too. But you're losing a lot of the performance of the tire because you've had to pin- Okay. So, you get back to a wide alloy rim. Oh, and and you lose um the, the worst thing is you lose braking power under a carbon uh, a full carbon rim and that's what kind of track instead of an alloy one. And it seems to be that the still king of the road, undisputed champion, is alloy rims, uh, wide alloy rims. So like head, he makes, and the other thing is, oh, well they might be a little bit heavier than carbon. Um, yeah, they they could they could be, but but there's a big but. Um, once you're up to speed, a little bit heavier a wheel actually isn't a penalty if you're starting and stopping at the same. Um, elevation, which are most triathlons, then a little bit of weight penalty does not hurt and it smooths out your ride to have more momentum built up in your, wheel. so a little bit more weight is like a little bit heavier of a flywheel on a bike trainer. It just smooths out the ride, gives you more confidence. Your wheels will be less twitchy and crosswind. Uh, so right now, if I was to buy, um, if I was to buy new race wheel, I would get carbon- fairing, um, wheels, wide carb. I'd get wide wheels with the aluminum brake track, no matter what. Got to make sure they fit your frame. Um, and then put wider tires on them, you know, 25s, something like that. And then after that, I would look in how much fairing you want. And again, you can put a disc on the back of your of the back of any wheel set by going to wheelbuilder.com and buying a plastic that can bolt on really easily. Uh, It's super easy to do, and it'll turn your rear rear wheel and make your bike look. And then you have a disc when you want it to take it off, when you want it all on the... um, In fact, my my Trek Speed Concept came with wide, and yeah, they're wide. They're wide aluminum rims. I might get 25s and put them, and then get a wheel cover for the back. Now I've got my rear disc, and then um, I think on the front, I would get... It's really windy where I live, so I would get a a 404, like a Zip 4, which I've got. I've got a Zip 404 with an aluminum brake track. That wheel is crazy fast, and it's really old. So. But anyway, um, that's it. So I'm going to go lift some weights. Just listen to the David Goggins podcast, uh, ep- interview. Yes, that dude is nuts, but he's very real. All right, that's it. Out. All right, we need to mention UCAN. UCAN is a super starch this is really cool stuff it's a super slow acting carbohydrate almost to the point of your body doesn't know what it's doing it's like we're getting energy from somewhere else This happening and it's really great for swimming you want to go swim for an hour and not be needing to uh you know take sips from a bottle on the side you know coach hits you over the head with a kickboard like my coach used to do he's quit jacking around get back in the water quit being lazy at the wall keep on swimming and you can do this And especially in races right you're going to do an iron man you're going to be in the water for an hour you're doing a half iron man you're going to be in the water for a half an hour plus you're uh you're going to be going and going and going you don't have a chance to to drink or or uh, refuel out there you can't drink out of a bottle while you're swimming well you kind of can with you can because you can is a very very slow drip carbohydrate And so it slowly releases into your system. So you can kind of preload with this stuff before you're going to do something long. It also kind of saves your teeth from all that sugar, right? Because you can power this stuff down. It's actually pretty easy to drink. And then you have energy for like an hour, hour and a half from this stuff. This is really cool. So it comes in different flavors. You have chocolate. Uh, you have some stuff with some protein added in if you want that and, uh, some electrolytes added in if you want that. And they also have, uh, orange tropical punch and, and all this different stuff, all this different stuff. And so what I do is I get up in the morning, I drink, uh, I have a little bit, a little bit of breakfast, a little tiny little bit of breakfast, some coffee. And then, uh, right before I leave to go to the pool, I drink a bottle of you can, uh, pretty quickly. And then, uh, by the time I get to the pool, you Got your energy, you feel nice and good, that slow release, and it just works, man. It's really amazing, and it's actually helped me break the habit of needing uh, sugar by the side of the pool. I think I've pretty much turned around, pretty positive, I've turned around my uh, needs for uh, sugar by using UCAN. I've become much less sugar-dependent and way more uh, fat-enhanced metabolism going on, and I did it through using UCAN. Uh, The latest thing that I've done with it is um, two, well, one time I did it uh, half the swim, but my latest was I did a full swim nonstop butterfly for one hour after drinking UCAN. 3,150 yards, nonstop, all butterfly, drinking UCAN before I got to the pool. Chocolate flavored was what I did. And I just swam uh, easy, smooth, and did the whole thing. It's all, I posted the workout. You can go check it out. (laughs) It was crazy. And I plan on doing it more because it was actually fun. It actually wasn't even all that hard. I just kept it easy. And you can do the same kind of stuff, a long, continuous workout, hour, hour and a half, without needing the fuel, by pre-fueling with UCAN. Check it out. You go to uh, UCAN's website. And they have uh, the opportunity for you to put in a discount code. If you use discount code ZENTRI, Z-E-N-T-R-I, all caps, you can get it 15% off. How about that? That's pretty cool. And then they turn around and send a little bit this way to Zentri itself. And man, if that's not a good advertisement for these guys, this stuff works. It's awesome. I love it. You can get a discount. You can support Zentri. Get on it. Get on it. Break all that sugar. Break that habit, man. Get on something that's a little bit better for you with some you can. All right, let's get back to the episode. Here we go. All right, I am, oh my gosh, I'm driving to go eat lunch at Freebirds, one of my sponsors. (laughs) I'll never forget becoming one of their athletes, which was, uh, hey, they go, we want to do something for you. And I said, you know what the easiest thing for you to do for me is food. I said, I know rice and beans cost you nearly nothing. But to me, it costs a lot. And also, I uh, use it a lot and I can tweet about it a lot. So if we can work out a deal where you give me free burritos, then I am yours for life. And they said, done! (laughs) I said, I'm so happy. I can live like this forever. Anyway, I'm on my way to Freebirds for lunch. They have a deal where they have... uh, it's Tattoo Tuesday. Supposedly I'm gonna give it a test, and because uh, I've never done it before, get free chips and queso if you have a uh, tattoo, and show it to them or something like that. So we'll see. I got a giant tattoo of a crashing wave and a tiger and all that stuff on my shoulder and arm, kind of like a Asian Polynesian kind of thing. And uh, they will try to be all cool and act like they don't. They're like, yeah, we see stuff like that all the time. Anyway, I wanted to mention uh, I have an injury update. My uh, stupid plantar fasciitis uh, thing, I'd been doing really well not exercising and uh, my by not biking or running to give my feet a break. And the uh, two days ago, I went biking with Kai because I'm like, oh, he's 12 years old. What could it possibly do stress-wise on my feet to pedal on a road bike at his pace? And uh, we got uh, halfway into a 28-mile ride, and then I realized more than halfway that he was sandbagging and not even trying and I got mad at him and I said dude I've got a lot of things to do today if we're out uh just riding for no reason then uh what the hell dude come on man I thought we were actually uh trying to go hard here to get you uh getting ready for uh, race season because he he can ride he rides all the time he and I ride all the time just uh, um around the neighborhood and stuff like that And so he got mad and turned up the volume and started hammering on the way back. And so I had to pedal a little bit harder than I thought to keep up. And then it got to be fun where we were kind of racing each other up the hills and stuff and and into the wind. And the next thing I know, we've been going a little bit harder. So that was uh, New Year's Day. And then the day after New Year's Day, uh, I wanted to take him somewhere really cool to go cycling since my road bike was all set up and everything uh, ready to rock and roll and he uh uh uh, this place we went was super hilly for around here like really really hilly and the next thing i know we're um kind of taunting each other climbing up hills and stuff and the other thing is he's only 12 so he's kind of small and we're on, on an open highway where the speed limit is 70 miles an hour there's no shoulder And we're just riding along, even though there was very, very, very few cars. Hardly ever a car. I didn't want him to get away too far from me. Um, So I wanted to keep up with him. So we're two cyclists, so we're more visible. Especially, I have a Camelback that's like safety, highlighter, um, that greenish-yellow kind of color. That's really common right now. Hello, lady, don't hit me. And um, I wanted, even his helmet is the same color. But still, I wanted to remain near him so that cars would see two cyclists instead of just one tiny little one. And so he's racing up these hills, and I'm having to uh, hammer to keep up with him. And, you know, like, at one point, I remember... Oh, and then it got to be fun. This is the problem. It got to be fun. I would taunt him (laughs) and kind of pass him. Towards the end, it got to be... We were only out for an hour, but it got to be where I was passing him fast on purpose just a little bit. And then, so we were kind of trading off... Uh, who's in front, but by accelerating and passing the other person, usually uphill because going uphill he has an advantage or reduces my advantage of power. Um, Going downhill, uh, he has to pedal crazy hard to keep up with me. And um, so on the uphill, me taunting him, he can turn around and do it right back. And it turned it into a really nice workout, which was super cool. And we had uh, sandwiches after and talked about nothing, sitting on the back of the truck, the extra um, just relaxing on a beautiful day and so it was just a wonderful time but I've noticed this morning the day after my feet kind of hurt a little bit and I'm like damn it man I can't even ride with Kai without um, without injuring my feet some so uh, I'm not sure what I'm gonna I have to modify my behavior a little bit because I definitely love it I love riding with him and uh, it's just a lot of fun and it's good father-son just all-around great stuff, so it's kind of worth it. But also, I'm like, ah, stupid injury. And In to doist I keep a, um, I keep a list, a recurring task where I update, kind of like this diary, of my injury. I managed to hurt my right wrist now uh, doing kettlebells, and uh, so that's that's added to the list. Anyway, I need to go into Freebirds and snack up. All right, more later. Out bang. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. I'm at Huntsville State Park, just like at the beginning, walking through some leaves. You can hear. And I'm walking around some trees that are along the shoreline here looking to see if I can see some more alligators like we saw this morning. This afternoon, I came around the corner of the bathrooms and Kai was soaking wet on the ground changing out his socks. I said, why are you wet? And he said, they threw water on me. And I'm like, who? And he said, the other guys. And I said, how... Did they get water? Oh, they went in the lake. Like you saw alligators in the lake, yeah. I'm like, guys, please, please stay away from the from the lake and the allig- There's alligators. The fact that you don't see them means that their plan is working. <laughs> you guys. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so the boys are uh, doing long hikes, getting ready for Philmont. If you uh, don't know what that is, look it up. If you do know what that is, you're probably getting pretty amped for them too. They got to practice. We live at low altitude, rolling hills, if at most rolling hills, and uh, they need practice for mountain hiking with big, heavy packs on and stuff. So they're out doing that uh, while the rest of us are collecting firewood. And the younger guys, I helped them through uh, wilderness survival, a uh, little bit of wilderness survival fun, uh, building a tarp that will catch. Uh, rain water. They're not actually going to use it. It's not going to rain, but they're just practicing. And you never know, man. You're out camping at Philmont, for example, when you get lost and stranded or you need to trap water. It's a pretty cool little trick on how to do it. I posted that on Instagram. Let's see. I've been taking L theanine, which I'll talk more about the more it works. It seems to really mellow me out and uh, get rid of stress and anxiety and help me sleep. It's uh, an amino acid, a non essential amino acid. And it's super cheap, and it's called, like, nature's uh, Xanax, and then uh, it relaxes you. And then if you take it with caffeine, then it's nature's Adderall. <laughs> and there's no other side effects whatsoever. It's generally recognized as safe. And I didn't see any alligators. I'm worried about stepping on a copperhead if I keep going through here. But is that a trail? And uh, let's go ahead. Let's walk through here. Oh, there's a hole in the ground better watch out and I've been doing the uh, ketosis diet which actually seems to work it's pretty interesting super high fat um, butter in your coffee and things like that Um, you got to watch out because there is truth to the matter of um, calories in calories out so you can't just do uh, super high fat and think you can get away with it. Um, but it seems like... Oh, there's a dead bird. Okay. It seems like uh, when you're fat-based, you can get away with a few more calories in and not need to uh, burn them all out. And then you can go a lot longer in between meals without being hungry. That doesn't seem to bother you. Oh, this is a cool area I found right over here. It's probably full of alligators. And then... The uh, the other thing, let's see. Oh, there's all these things they claim, which I haven't really experienced that yet. Oh, I did a great workout on, um, oh have yeah, level blood sugar. Um, what I've noticed so far is when I have to go without eating for a while because a meeting is running long, or um, it's just a better idea for me not to eat and get a workout in instead, and then wait for, wait a little while for dinner, say coming home from work is a good example. Um, If you're carb dependent, it's like, man, I need to eat, I need to eat. And then um, if you're fat dependent, then um, it's like, oh, I can wait a little bit. And then, and still have a great workout. I had a a awesome workout. My um, Strava Pro account, Keeps a, uh, man, I've talked about this before. If you want a um, the best power curve of, of all your previous workouts, you want to know what your FTP is and also if you get a power meter and then you bike with it lots, Strava, if you have a pro account, will have your power curve of your best watts on average for any given uh, duration of time over the past six weeks. You can change it, you know, six weeks, six months, uh, six years, doesn't matter and it's um it's really cool so actually my going low carb high fat um i matched i actually matched and bettered my highest power output for 20 minutes 20 to 30 minutes i think um in the past six weeks it showed it 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 pushed the line up it was pretty cool so and then I was uh, bouncing off the walls, happy and everything. And so it seems a lot more zen and minimalist to be uh, going uh, high fat. Um, people are like, oh, but high fat, you have to kill all these animals. I said, Not necessarily. You could be high fat on uh, and vegetarian or whatever. And is that a trap? I think somebody said a trap back here. There's two trees tied together, and they're very suspicious. Little saplings, like they're bent over. Like they're made like into a snare. Anyway... I uh, I really think that that uh, the high fat thing is interesting, so I'm going to keep sticking with it for a little while. It's actually pretty easy to do. Um, it's just getting over you know the amount of amount of fat you're eating. 80 percent fat, 70 to 80 percent fat all the time is uh, pretty interesting. But then, holy cow, do you um, do do you feel you feel different? Like everything's different everything it's really weird so maybe next episode I'll try to talk about that more um, I don't try to promote too much ways of ways of eating and, and stuff uh, because we're all different you know and we're all in different places so I just like com- trying things and commentating on whether whether it works or not oh and what allowed me to do it was that colonoscopy that I got uh, where you had to not eat I was already getting there for like the past um, half year or so, no, half, past year, doing more and more higher, higher fat. It's more of a psychological thing. You have to be okay with it. Higher and higher fat in your diet. And uh, because it takes months for your body to fully switch over, apparently. And then, um, and then you can, um, using you can more and more often. And the next thing I know, uh, but it's not, you know, it's like weeks to months. I'm, uh, not using fuel for hour long workouts. Uh, just like when I interviewed, uh, what's her name? Debbie, um, that won whales. She said, actually, she doesn't, you can't, doesn't use you can all that much just for longer stuff. She doesn't need it for an hour workout. <laughs> and that's what I found is I don't, I'm not using fuel uh, for hour workouts anymore. And that's odd. And you can got me there. That was pretty cool. And, But uh, that bike ride that I did where I put out a lot of high power, I actually did 100 calories of Gatorade, watered down, which was interesting. And I was just bouncing off the walls with just that amount of sugar. It was pretty cool. But uh, also what's allowed me to do it is cutting back on the amount of workouts, in general, like my hours per week, by about a third or more. Because of um, my plantar fasciitis injury. And so I'm not running as much. So I don't need... High carb at the moment, so this is a good time to practice switching over. And then with the colonoscopy, where you had to go, and the challenge from Emily to see if I could go without food for uh 24 hours or something like that, I was like, okay, I'll do it. And the uh, that what kind of like sent me over the edge into full, I wouldn't call it ketosis, but cause I think ketosis is a kind of a that's kind of an emergency state, and I'm not sure if it's smart or not, but. The, um, the it sent me into being fully fat adapted, I guess. And I seem to be fat adapted. I'm guessing I am. And I'm craving fat more than I am carbs. And I'm regretting eating carbs when I do. And I'm hardly eating any. So I guess I am. That's pretty cool. And then uh, here I am. Um, also, on top of that... On this camp out, you know there's these uh, two there have been two big hikes so far. and last camp out, when I hiked, my feet hurt. it worsened my, inner, my uh, injury. and I had to say no. I'll go on the camp out. This is really hard. I'll go on the camp out, but I refuse to hike. I will not hike to save my uh, feet. And it's difficult. People give you weird looks, but you're coming all the way out here and we need you. and I'm like, I can come all the way out there and I can sit at the campsite and do nothing. I'm not hiking, and I know that sucks. But in the long run, it'll be better for all of us, and it'll be better for me. And that's why saying no is, um, man, it's hard. You know, it's doing the right thing, though. Um, And in today's society where we have so many options, you know, Kai's on a triathlon team. Dude, when I was a kid, we didn't have this crap. We didn't have a kid's triathlon team and a kid's mountain bike team. And then plus all the other clubs and whatever at all the schools and stuff that they got. And Boy Scouts, blah, blah, blah. All right? So we got so many options. And we have our phones and our internet and all this all this crap and adventure running, trail running, and blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. I just thought I saw a bear. And then I realized there's no bears here. It's this log, like, peeking around a tree at me. Anyway, the um, saying no is now uh, the smart smart people people in touch with their emotions and with you know, asking themselves what, how things are and how it makes them feel and being mindful about the stress on their body are the ones that are gonna be smart, are the ones that are gonna survive and uh, move up the echelon in society to the better jobs and the, the better uh, opportunities and better health and better wealth. And now it's all about saying no When to say no. Saying no to almost everything. Being firm with saying no. Being self-fulfilled enough. And to say no, you've already got a good life. You don't need to do more. Things are already okay. Man, that looks like a bear. Holy crap. (laughs) It's freaky looking. And then also um, uh, being in touch with how stressed you are. And turning down opportunities because you can tell that you're stressed enough and you need a nap. So, for example, I said no to this hike, and then also I took a nap. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, and another thing. Uh, it is sure great being back in the, um, in the state park, the national forest where I grew up as a kid doing stuff in Boy Scouts. We were setting up one of, one of our tents last night, and I said, you know what's really funny? is, uh, I've probably camped in this very campsite probably two times when I was, you know, in the 80s. Uh, and I, I don't even know it, you know. And it's okay. to I'm not going on that hike. I've hiked that trail before a lot. Um, of course, I've done the Rocky Raccoon 50 and the Rocky Raccoon 100 here. And uh, I'm good. I'm good. So, But it's, it's really enjoyable coming full circle back to um, where you were. I thought as I was posting a picture on Instagram that my brother, he claims he doesn't care, but I'm like, man, my brother would trip out to be back here. Um, he lives uh, way up in Chicago, but to be back in the uh, state park, these tall, tall pines, man, they're beautiful. All right, I think that's it. Um, pro tip, I'm sitting here drinking a Zevia Cola, so it's sweetened with uh, stevia, and then also Uh, look up allulose. I think I may have already mentioned the podcast. Um, These are low sugar, sugar alternatives that are actually not bad for you. And I'll leave you with that. And stay tuned for the next episode. Everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down out.